including the aforementioned souls. I mean, assuming that you are a fiendish patron, but I mean, I know you. You are, of course, a fiendish patron. Well, yeah, but you're a great old one, so don't act like you're not claiming souls either. Live from the Mundangerous Dive Bar in New York City, I'm your host Shane. And I'm your host Ishan. And welcome to episode 207 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. In this episode, we're saving time on your listening and in your game prep, because we're talking about creating lively NPCs and doing it quickly. But first, the Rogue Traders Ready Players 1, 2, and 3 in the Dynasty Unwanted campaign. And later, the Green Singer carries a tune in the Character Creation Forge. Are you looking for a great story? Do you love Star Wars? Do you like podcasts? If you said yes to any of these, check out the Redemption Podcast. Well, I have less in my head than you do normally, probably. You haven't met the crew I'm with. Pretty much everywhere we go, our life is in danger. Things didn't explode. That's pretty sneaky for us. That sounds horrible. Yes, please finish up whatever underhanded thing you're doing on the computer terminals at the Jedi Temple. Check out Redemption Podcast at www.redemptionpodcast.com. So Shane, we're happy to have Redemption on the Don't Split the Podcast Network. It's nice to have new friends, or I guess old friends, who are now also new friends. Mm -hmm. But let's talk a bit about some people who don't like us very much. Shane, where are we in the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign? So the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign is our Warhammer 40k Rogue Trader game, played using Dark Heresy 2nd Edition rules by Fantasy Flight Games. And on the Deathworld Iblis Prime in the frontier city of Meridian, the Rogue Traders have set out to establish a colony in the name of the Holy Throne of Terra and Prophet. Uh, yeah, how's that going? Well, you have just scored an invitation into the mysterious league of the Technogangers, uh, which the uh, you've found has sort of been their motivation for their obsession with technology, which they apparently ante up in order to compete in this league. Yeah, this is a recent discovery. Like we thought they were like archaeotech cultists, basically, mm-hmm. yep. who like prized I don't know weapons and and technology. No. Uh, they just uh, use it as currency. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and given that you now have your invitation after your moderately successful block party to rebuild the North Manufactories, you set out immediately redoubling your efforts to learn as much as you can about the Technogangers and their league before you enter it. We find all the usual haunts and hangouts deserted, though, but uh, there is a bartender who does let slip a few tidbits, namely that it's typical for all of the gangers to stay in the night before the league. And also, they take this league far too seriously to tarnish it with an ambush. <laughs> ah, suckers. Yeah, this is this is your main thing, is you can't find anybody that you can uh, beat up and you know pump for information. And you're worried that this is all a ruse that will uh, lead to your untimely deaths. So he sort of explains those two things away. Uh, though that doesn't actually reassure you at all, to be honest. <laughs> none, none at all. Yeah, we send in some scouts to the uh, meeting place that we're supposed to uh, find the league. Yeah, uh, it's basically it's a manufactory in in the 
neighborhood in the district um and your scouts observe just a, a few gangers entering that way wearing you know basically no armor no gear just las pistols at the hip and you know maybe carrying a a duffel bag that has something in it yeah you know unarmed and unarmored just a laser pistol <laughs> well i mean everybody carries las pistols in meridian <laughs> right mean, it, how else it, do you like open doors or cans yeah it's a <laughs> this is a civilized town all right <laughs> everybody carries las pistols yeah the only thing that stops a rogue trader with a sniper rifle is a techno ganger with a las pistol right exactly i mean in this case quite literally all right so we are entering honor guard captain horst who is this horst's first appearance in this recap uh, it's not technically his first appearance in the recap. It might be his first named appearance. Okay, uh, so who is Horst? Horst is Jim's character after Draco died. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, like six months ago in these recaps. Yeah, exactly. Draco <laughs> died to an infernal pistol to the face, uh, was buried on Malajact, and... No, no, then... no, we took his body. We took his body. You're right. Yeah, we would not leave someone on Malajact. That place is cursed. <laughs> Um, right, he was given a, a burial a at proper, space. A proper burial and not a very nice um, eulogy. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, An so honest yeah. one, though. So Horst is the Honor Guard captain. Uh, he made a brief appearance when you considered selling the Honor Guard to the crew, if you recall. Well, Trank didn't consider that. But right. <laughs> most everyone else did. Um, yeah, so he is uh, Jim's new character. Awesome. Also, Flair, the astropath, tricks the Seneschal, just those three? It was yep. a it was a light night, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know was, I wasn't there. <laughs> no, it was a variable number of invites <laughs> based on whoever showed up that week. All right, so they all wait to the last possible minute for signs of an ambush before sprinting to make the deadline. So they're inspected, of course, uh, and then they're told to offer their ante. Horst offers his power shield, tricks his Dark Eldar clave, and Flare his precious refractor field. No matter how hard I tried, I could not convince Flare to offer up his uh his his, his force staff. staff. Yeah, huh? Weird, <laughs> weird that. <laughs> the one gift his uh, his noble house ever gave him. This is my force staff. There are many like it. <laughs> right, but this one is mine. I swear. <laughs> For now, I guess. All right, so they are led through a secret tunnel and into the sewers. After a few minutes, they are given instructions to proceed even further on down to a hatch. And a few minutes later, they find the hatch, and they step into a dank chamber filled with groups of gangers who are huddled in trios. So once the hatch closes behind them, another hatch opens, and some docents enter the room holding trays with pills on them. Oh, I didn't know there'd be dinner. Mm. And That's nice. in turn, each ganger takes a pill and swallows it. So the rogue traders, naturally suspicious, uh, ins- kind of look around nervously for ill effects, but ultimately decide that they're just going to follow suit and obey the rules. Right. But what they don't realize, of course, is that the techno gangers have been spending years building an immunity to strange sewer pills. Right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So once the don- docents have cleared the room, another hatch opens but it's flooded with a blinding white light. And three by three, the ganger teams enter the hatch. Towards the end of the pack, the rogue traders do the same. And suddenly, Horst, Trix, and Flare are free-falling from a beautiful clear sky, and a voice booms out, I am the seer unknown. Welcome to my battleground. 
It sounds a bit familiar. But I guess we'll find out more next week. So this week, Shane, we're talking about creating lively NPCs. And not only that, we're talking about how to do it quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could spend all day creating your perfect novelist NPC and play them flawlessly. But I've only got a few minutes and I want to get the details down quickly. Yeah, I did not expect my party to walk into this store. I didn't know there was a store, but they asked me what was on this street and they weren't mm-hmm. supposed to do that. <laughs> exactly. Now I need people and I need them fast. All right, so let's start off. What's an NPC? Uh, so an NPC is, of course, a non-player character, or uh, as some people are trying to move uh, the nomenclature, GMCs, or Game Master characters. So this is basically any character that isn't a PC, um, any character that is played by the GM. Are, are we trying to move away from the NPC nomenclature because it's been co-opted by the alt-right? No, I think it's just a, a like it's a bad description to to describe something by what but it's what not. It is not yeah yeah rather okay. than what it actually is like it's a it's dispositive instead of positive yeah and then i am on board with this yeah all right so for the purposes of this particular discussion we generally mean characters that the party will have more interactions with than just a fight right so that might be the leader of the hobgoblin warband but we're not talking about like the the nameless goblins that you're stumbling across in room seven like you put an arrow in all their eyes and move on Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, you know, probably the shopkeep who definitely maybe po- probably sold poison to the assassin, you know? Right. And not the nameless shopkeep who, like, you're just buying healing potions from and not talking to. Exactly. Yeah. So I think the first thing that you're going to want to ask yourself when you're creating these is what is the purpose of this NVC? Like, what are they supposed to do here in this narrative? Yeah, and this is a trick because the answer to this is always to convey information, right? NPCs are the GM's tool with which to uh, advance the plot around them and give information to the players in-universe. So really your question is, what information is this NPC trying to convey? Exactly. It could be something like clues or plot information, right? Like you can't always rely on the party to figure out where they're supposed to go or what they're supposed to do from... Um, you know, scraps that they find or like old dusty tomes or things like that. Sometimes you want an actual person to be like, here's the information that you need to know. Um, or like, here's some information that I know and you can piece that together with some something else that you found and actually figure out the mystery. So right. maybe, you know, clues to this, it's plot information. What are the facts that the PCs need to move forward in the plot? This is the information that your NPC is uh, supposed to give them. Right. Another thing that they might provide is social insight. So less less interested in what exactly is it that the PCs need to move forward in their plot, but more how does the rest of the world see the PCs, right? So the PCs might see themselves as, you know, daring do adventurers. The rest of the city might see them as dangerous vigilantes or lawless criminals or, you know, folk heroes. Right. Um, so this this is a way for the world to reflect back to the players how they're seeing them. You know, every NPC is just a mirror. You know, <laughs> it's just. I mean, all parties are solipsists. Uh, with this, keep in mind that like it's not necessarily that the NPC is like pointing at the party and like telling them how they feel. Like, oh, you, you, the terrible people who like are the cause of our despair. It could be that. But it can also just be the way that the NPC reacts. If they react with fear when they walk in, like that's part of your reputation. Or, right. or if you're like greeted with a giant friendly smile and this didn't happen the first time, like maybe you did something right. Or if somebody, you know, if this NPC tracks them down while in the course of their day, 
then that tells you something, right? Like they have they have sought the party out for whatever it is they're trying to do. Right. Uh, an NPC can also just present tone or setting or background color. Um, they can tell you things not about the PC, but about the world itself. Um, they help bring the world to life. Uh, there, are, there are things that they, the party may not necessarily recognize on their own, um, or they may not like know something about uh, another person or another location. Like NPCs provide gossip. They, they provide um, background info that the, the party may not come by uh, in another way, and it might be important to the plot, or it could just be uh, information that helps it seem like a like living, breathing world that is like moving on on its own, even if the PCs aren't necessarily interacting with it. Yeah, like one of my favorite things, especially in like sci-fi settings where you might travel to a lot of different alien environments, right, or alien planets or just alien cultures um, where you see just like your average everyday people like having a very strange way of going about doing a regular activity, you know, so like it would certainly be strange if like um, you were walking down the you know, down a main thoroughfare and saw people, you know, like inhaling deeply into like a pipe on the side of their uh, vehicle in order to start the engine, right? Like that would tell you something very strange is going on here. Either that's fuel or that's like a starting spark or whatever. But like these people are weird, (laughs) right? But you have shown instead of told. I mean, we're here on Huffer 4. I just assumed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why I came up with that example. (laughs) And not the tailpipe? Come on. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) It's somewhere between sticking the key in the ignition and filling gas in the tank. I don't know. Um, Yeah, I really like doing this uh, when when your party is in a situation that they don't expect something will necessarily be different. Right? Like there are, for example, human cultures where it's considered impolite to let other people watch you eat. And, like, this is something that you're not really going to notice until you sit down to a meal. And, you know, maybe... Everyone has like their own compartments and no one can see each other. Or, you know, maybe it's just polite to like shield your mouth with your hand. And when Mm -hmm. you don't do that, that's a huge social faux pas. And like everyone is staring at you like you're disgusting because because you are right. You're basically chewing with your mouth open. Please stop. Actually, actually, I heard about some goblins. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Maybe you'd be more comfortable with them. Exactly. All right, so now we know what our NPC's purpose is. Uh, How do we go about actually building them quickly? So I think the first question you have to ask yourself is what information does the NPC have, right? What are the PCs supposed to gain from interacting with her? Um, The goal here is to figure out, like, why, right? Uh, What's the purpose for this NPC existing, and and why are we using an NPC for this instead of some other conveyance in in the uh in the game you know like right. a fight or narration or whatever or yeah why aren't they just reading this off like an announcement board in the middle of town exactly and then the corollary to that right is how is she going to convey that information and perhaps what does she expect in return right so given the nature of the interaction that you're expecting like what's the means that this character has to convey it and that's what you want to make sure that you highlight when you're playing that npc right if the goal here is to Um, prepare the characters for how to eat a meal when they go to their dinner with the noble family in order to negotiate peace between, um, you know, the Galactic Federation and the Huffer Empire. Well, like, (laughs) I sure hope that they have had that meal and made that faux pas in front of her instead of in front of the queen. 
keep in mind that you know every NPC wants something like they're getting something out of this from conveying that information and you know maybe it is that the party's giving them something but it all also could just be that they are eager they like want to interact like the town crier wants to get out the information because that's their job mm-hmm. the person who like seeks out the seeks out the party with with a quest has a problem that they need resolved and like that that's the reason that, that they're there it doesn't need to be difficult and and your party doesn't necessarily need to like unlock this npc in order to like get the information right yeah the answer can be nothing but if the answer is nothing you you at least know that that's what they expect right like you still want to know what the answer is and and not like if the characters are offering to trade that you suddenly have to like come up with some minor quest on the side like keep track of what the goal of the adventure is right like you're always moving towards your plot right so from there you want to dig in a little bit into who this NPC is supposed to be so you know you're presenting information to the party with this character the thing that always happens uh, to derail your carefully crafted plot or like, you know, that shows up and, and is not in your notes is when they start asking personal questions mm-hmm. of your NPCs and you're like, no, no, they're, they're not actual real people with like thoughts and emotions. They're, right. they are tools for me to use. Please stop. Exactly. Yeah. So if you start from who is this person, right? And even in just the bare sketches, it, it helps you. It helps you be prepared for that and kind of react organically and naturally and believably um, to add to the game. So, like, you know, names are always a challenge, but it's a good idea to go ahead and have a name for that NPC because the moment you don't, it will be asked. Right. Uh, you'll want another background and profession. And you can tie this in with the name. If Like most fantasy settings, you don't have a surname. You have first name and profession. Yeah. Brock the gym leader. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, just come up with this all in one package. You know, it, it, it fixes it for you. Um, yeah. And when you have this, just, just this little bit of information about their background, then that means that you don't need to create this nested if then statement tree for their interactions with the PCs, right? Like, you know, they have a name, you know, where they live, uh, you know, their job you you know if they're a member of like an identified group here in town like maybe they're a, like a member of the police or a clan uh, a union or they're a noble right once you have this information then it's much easier to come up with answers to whatever question that your party is asking and not even questions about the npc but like their demeanor or like how they're responding to certain kinds of questions right if you know this person is a noble they're going to respond differently just in the way that they talk their cadence or to the kinds of questions they're willing to answer than someone who's in a union or like someone who's a secret cult member right and then to that end right you also want to think about where are they from right are they local to this area did they grow up here were they transplanted um are they visiting right like all of those things will tell you something about uh, maybe their dress or their appearance or their like vocal intonation or the language they speak or the accent that they have, you know, like that all informs things about that person because like, as you kind of alluded to, right? Like there's no point in, in answering these questions if they don't inform the way that you play the NPC, right? So the next question is how do I represent the NPC aesthetically? <laughs> what are the things that the characters notice about this character? Um, and, and that's what they'll latch on to as they're gaining this information, right? Yeah, that's almost always the first thing you're going to describe anyway, right? Is what do they look like? Um, and that is going to incorporate in most fantasy settings species, right? Are they human, elf, drow, 
uh, gender typically. Yeah, and then and then you'll also want to think about their the way that you portray this character, right? Is there a voice or an accent that you do? Is there a tone or a pitch that you use? Are there speech patterns that you develop so that when you're speaking as this character, um, it stands out or it's it's something? Um, and and like as you're describing this and as you're portraying this, like remember, like as you said, right? If you are Brock the gym leader, if that's your NPC, then like the fact that he's a gym leader is actually a big description, right? Like when you say gym leader, that kind of brings something to mind. Um, so if you describe them in that way, like, yeah, you assume that he's muscular and probably wearing like a tight fitting tank top and like maybe sweating, right. Um, and probably hanging out near a gym as it were, um, you know, or if you're describing the cobbler, right? Like is, you would just sort of naturally assume he's wearing probably like an apron and has a hammer in his hand and maybe like, um, one of those little like spike driving things. I don't know, like a chisel. I don't know what, I don't know how to cobble. I'm not, I don't make shoes. <laughs> you outsource. <laughs> right. <yeah>. Overseas. <laughs> exactly. Cobbler enterprises. <laughs> um, now if this already is beginning to sound a little bit daunting, don't worry about it. Like one thing I like about NPCs or, or like creating these things on the fly is the unexpected combinations you get. So if you have Brock, the gym leader, and then people are asking you, okay, what does he look like? And you happen to say, oh, he's a, he's a pretty scrawny guy, kind of short. Um, that's incongruous, right? Mm-hmm. But great, that's additional information. That tells you something. Like, why is a scrawny guy a gym leader? Like, is it a hereditary position? Uh, did he, like, bribe his way in and, like, that's how you get appointed to places? Like, it's, it's not based on merit? Uh, is he actually much stronger than he looks? Like, maybe he's not a human. Maybe he's, like, some other species that is extremely strong but also very slender. Or is this gym for training, you know, captive sentient animals and not for training your own physical person? Right. Or for Pokemon. <laughs> you do not need to be a powerful person. Right. <laughs> like I said, captured sentient animals. Right. I lead... <laughs> people named James. Right. <laughs> I am the leader of gyms. <laughs> Idiot, you would know that if you were from here like I am. So the then one important thing to remember as you're kind of identifying these details and and sharing them with the group is that you want to make sure they're consistent across comparable NPCs in your game, right? Like it's okay to be unique, but you know, if most orcs have Russian accents and they meet a random non-special orc, he should probably have a Russian accent. Or, you know, if most trolls have Boston accents, then make sure that when they meet a troll, he has a Boston accent. You know, just like in real life. All in real life, all <laughs> trolls have Boston accents. <laughs> I just always assume, you know, when you scroll to the bottom of the comments on Reddit. Right. <laughs> and then lastly, uh, you want to know what is it that's memorable about this NPC. Of course, assuming that this is someone that you want to be remembered. Yeah, I mean, not every single person has some memorable trait, but maybe it is that, you know, like something you've already identified about them makes them somewhat memorable, right? Like there's probably only one cobbler in this town. So, you know, John the cobbler is likely to be the only one. That's his unique thing. Like that's fine, right? Like move on. That's great. But if there's a bunch of adventurers, maybe give you some detail that reminds you or, or like jogs memory when the players are going through and trying to figure out who they talked to three weeks ago. Right. If uh, you're in Mos Eisley and there's a droid inside the bar, that's weird. Oh, it's uh-huh. that droid who's allowed inside the bar. Yeah. Uh, there is one droid who's allowed inside the bar, right? Uh, is it the one that mixes drinks? 
I think that's it? right. Yeah. The, the drink droid. But they don't serve droids here. Ah. Uh, Bad customers. Um, it could be almost anything, right? If it's not their job or something that like stuck in the players' minds, it could be you know a distinct accent, a scar, a piece of jewelry, um, maybe a verbal or physical tick that stands out. All of these things, uh, while they help to, your NPC to stand out, they're also a great way to sort of sow additional plot seeds. Like you can have your party will very likely latch onto one of these. Like it's very important and great. Mm-hmm. Now you can make it important if you want. Yeah, like, for example, um, Behemoth in Morning Glory, uh, whenever we summoned him from his chalice, he also said, hello, hello, which, which became the most annoying verbal and physical tick of all time. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that made him so endearing and, and made you guys trust him so much and decide, sure, he's a bound devil, but he probably has our best interests at heart. Uh-huh. Right? He's a bound devil, but he'd rather be a bound devil than an unmade devil. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't want to die. The other thing to keep in mind here is that if the most memorable thing about this NPC is very, you know, common amongst a certain group, it will associate them, right? So if the unique thing about them is that they have a tattoo on their wrist, and that happens to be the same tattoo as the murdered priest, and also the same tattoo as the uh, shopkeeper who sold the poison to the assassin, well, now you have an interesting group that you are starting to affiliate, right? And that's something that is a reminder of that character. Yeah. It's also uh, the reason that you often end up with unintentional stereotypes of different uh, like species because they meet the one elf and the one elf is uh, pretty shady. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now they start assuming that every elf is shady. Just like in real life. Just like like all real elves. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I said it. Okay. Real talk here on Total Party Thrill. Yeah, if any of you elves out there wanna wanna come on the show and debate your lack of shadiness, oh god, <laughs> you can't. Yeah. it's not this kind of show. <laughs> Tough. Go on. Go on Intracosa's show. <laughs> All right. So, what game stats do you actually need for this? Any? Uh, mo- most often, none. Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you, you just don't need to bother with this, right? Like, the majority of your NPCs will never have dice rolled or roll dice against them. In some games, it's not even possible for them to roll, and that's even better. Yeah, and, you know, sure, they need to make an insight check versus uh, your party's deception. Cool. Roll it with a plus one or a plus two. Yeah, or don't, and just set a DC for it, right? Yeah. Like, who mm. cares? Like, just assume they're basically competent in whatever skills are appropriate given all of the other details you know about them, right? Like, you know where they're from, you know, what their job is, maybe a little bit about their background, something about their race, you know, something about their personality. Fine, sure. If you're a merchant, yeah, you're probably trained to haggle. It's not going to be easy to negotiate a merchant down. But I'm built for haggling. Yeah. I have a haggle build. You haggle against the most qualified hagglers in the galaxy. Yeah, I'm from Haggle Rock, okay? Down on Haggle Rock. <laughs> bump, bump. That's my background. Work it in. <laughs> Pick up my plot hook. Now, if combat is necessary, just, you know, pick a comparably challenging stat block to reflavor. I I, I never put together a stat block for, like, an NPC. Yeah, I mean, I usually what I'm going to do is I, I have the next encounter planned, right? Um, I know at least one stat block in there, and it's probably not that special of a stat block. If I really need to have a fight with a with a random NPC, I'm just going to pull one of the stat blocks out of that encounter. Yeah, I mean, or it'll just be 
wow uh okay you win <laughs> because this person is a shopkeeper <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Why are you fighting them? <laughs> like, you're, most civilians are just going to be destroyed. <laughs> yeah, one d four hit points. <laughs> right. So, you know, like the the swings, a couple swings of the axe by the barbarian are totally perfunctory. Uh, in which case, I'm definitely not putting together a stat block. I'm not even tracking hit points. I'm just saying, cool, you did it. You won. Moving on. Right. Yo, you hit AC ten. Great. No, he's not wearing armor. It's the middle of the day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he has yes he has plus two decks move on right <laughs> all right so let's put our money where our notes are i guess and uh quickly build a lively npc all right what are we building an npc for what uh what what campaign are we playing oh mm, uh i think we we like star wars right we should build a star wars character okay all right um what information does the npc have why are we building this NPC? What is their purpose? Mm, let's just do one of the simplest things that NPCs do. Uh, they are here to lay down a plot hook. Okay. Right. Uh, they're here to hire the player characters. They're a customer, if you will. There you go. I like that. All right. All right. So who is the NPC supposed to be? Uh, what is their background or profession? Let's see, they're hiring the NPCs, so they must have a little bit of money. I'm going to say that they are a smuggler, uh, which is both background and profession. Done. <laughs> Wait, so so why are they hiring the NPCs then if they're the smuggler? What do the NPCs do? Uh, because uh, the, there's too much heat. Oh, okay. So they're, they're like subcontracting to the, to the NPCs or right, to the players. Right. Have I got a lucrative contract for you? Okay. All right. Uh, are why, they? Why does it say fourteen thousand credits scratched out, and now it says eight thousand credits? <laughs> well, gotta take a cut, you know. Yeah. Uh, are they a member of an identified group? Is there a network of smugglers that they're a part of? I'm gonna say uh, not at first glance. Like that's information that the party could glean, but they're gonna present themselves as a an above board business person. Okay. And where are they from? Are they? I don't know what planet we're on, but where? Tatooine. Okay. Why not? Are they a Tatooinean smuggler? Are they visiting? Did they grow up here? Are they transplanted? I think it's much easier just to have them from here. Yes, they they are from Tatooine. Moisture farmer made a little bit better. Now smuggling. Uh, okay. Getting getting around the huts. Dangerous business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, smuggling moisture off planet. Yeah. All right. So, or maybe moisture on planet. That might, might be more lucrative. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So how was the NPC aesthetically presented? What's their description? Uh, so I think this is uh, a Twi'lek. And uh, she is uh, kind of has orange and uh, like turquoise kind of uh, pattern to her skin and mm-hmm. like the stripes on her, her head tails. What are those things called? Uh, Leku. Leku. And I think she uh, she always wears goggles, like on her eyes or like uh, just on her forehead, like like every steampunk character. Oh no no, no on her eyes. Yeah, it's oh. Sandy on Tatooine. It's it's true. Hey, and this tells us a little bit more. Um, wait, so she's a Twi'lek from Tatooine, not from uh, was it Ryloth? Yeah, no, she was born here. Mm, mm, that's tough tells luck. You, tells you something. I mean, you said it, not me. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> All right, so portrayal. Uh, does she have a what's her voice sound like or does she have an accent uh, tone what about speech patterns let's go with she has a 
Uh, she has a very neutral accent because I don't think Tatooine has a natural kind of accent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but her tone, she kind of she kind of sings her words. Like uh, it's kind of like a performance when she speaks. Uh, but a bit lilting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Is uh, this something that all Twi'leks do in your game? No, most Twi'leks hiss. Everyone knows this. Yeah, like snakes. It's basically what they are. Those Leku yeah. are snakes, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, they're bifurcated. Look it up. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Do no, because uh, Twi'leks don't have like a normal any type of typical speech pattern. Because the one in Jabba's palace is like, like he literally does hiss. Yeah, right? but he's just a weirdo. Yeah, and yeah. then like um, the one from Rebels, she is like completely. I think I actually just described her with the coloration As- here, but Ahsoka is that yeah. it? Uh, no, wait. Oh, she's blue. I think. Yeah, so Ahsoka, and then there's isn't there, is there another an evil one who's orange? No, isn't there another pilot? Hera, isn't she a Twi'lek? I don't know. I haven't watched Rebels. Okay, but either way, I don't think either of them have like special accents or anything like that. So I think I think they are consistent across other Twi'leks in that Twi'leks are not particularly consistent. There we go. All right, next up. We haven't uh, chosen a name for her yet, so... Well, what we should do is go to the top the top name on our list uh, because you always keep a, a list of names to use for NPCs. If there is nothing else that I do for prep for a game... I write down probably four just names mm-hmm. of potential people that I can pull out of a hat if necessary. Or like, you know, most sessions, I know the party will meet someone and they will have to have a name. Uh, I don't know who they're meeting. I don't know necessarily their gender or their location or anything like that. I just have a list of names. So I have rolled on the fantasynamegenerators.com Twi'lek name generator because that is the second best thing to having a list pre-made. And the only one on here that I can pronounce is Ashanalin. So this is Ashanalin. Ashanalin is a pretty good name. And you know what? It's just one word, right? Ashanalin? Mm-hmm. Okay. If we needed it to, have, to be uh, a first and last name, it would just be Ashanalin. Mm-hmm. Done. Spell it however you want. Add, a, add an apostrophe and you're good. Yeah. Glottal stops everywhere. <laughs> All right. So what's memorable about this NPC? Uh, she's packing heat, of course, mm-hmm. right? She's got a she's got a blaster, uh, but it's a really nice blaster. Like it is custom made. Uh, it's got a full on sight. Uh, it's got a larger. Um, is it a, a battery pack? I forget exactly what they a- use. Energy pack, maybe. Yeah, yeah, an, an energy cell. That's it. Um, so you can tell, like, it packs a punch, uh, mm-hmm. and you would surmise that she's either a very good shot with it. Or she's a very bad shot with it and just wants the punching power. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> the, this is the argument of, is the best weapon the one you only fire once or the one you never have to fire at all? Yeah. <laughs> cool. So do we need game stats for her? I don't think we do, right? No. I mean, at best, she'll be like flying a ship in like non-dangerous areas right to just sort of like deliver you to your ship but most likely she's like sitting here at the bar giving you like directions and instructions and that's it yeah like at best you might might plan on her being trained in like deception um and and probably a pretty good negotiator and that's that's probably enough to have in your back pocket right because the only thing that you're going to be doing with her at least right now right is they'll probably haggle over like how much this contract is worth Right, and they'll try and get to the bottom of why is it that she is offering up this contract instead of taking it herself. Right, but one of the best things about doing this quickly and like building an NPC on the fly is that like you don't need to know all the other stuff. They can develop later. 
Mm-hmm. Like if your party takes an interest in this person, they could become like a full fledged, uh, like recurrent character. But only then do you really need to figure out like what are her like true motivations and like you know wh- what did she do like in the distant past and like what are what is her regret. Right. Yeah. Like you don't have to identify that she's a smuggler with a with a lot of sympathy for the rebels who's been on a blacklist for the empire, uh, and that's why she can't take this job. You just have to know that she's offering up a job. Right. And uh, if the party, you know, never wants to see her again and prefers to just get you know paid via um, like hollow transfer, then great. Like she disappears completely. Yep. All right. So. As we kind of wrap up here, any other like tips and tricks for creating NPCs, Ethan? I think one thing I've mentioned before, like if you just can't get to a name generator or you didn't write down names before, pick like an average name, like the first one that pops in your head, and change one letter. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Alan, great, becomes Amon. You know, Elin. Yeah, no, that like, works. Throw a Y in there. Throw an apostrophe in there. Change one thing about it, and suddenly it's unrecognizable. And this works for pretty much anything else. Like you said before, sometimes you'll just crib uh, the stat block from something that that you were going to use later. Use any of the information right in front of you or like um, some character from a TV show that you pull out of your head. Change one thing about them. They basically become unrecognizable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then I think the other important tip is remember to write these things down yeah so that you can remember who they are later if you ever have to get back into that character um, part of what makes this quick is that it's like you don't need a bunch of notes about it you don't need a lot of background uh, which means it's also easy to just jot down those couple prompts so that you remember how to do a singing voice when the time comes to meet her again all right do you hear that ishan uh yeah because fortunately, you wrote down the fact that Ashanalyn has that sing-songy voice. And so you're doing it again. So I know exactly who we're talking to before you even describe us seeing her. Well, then it's time to move on to the Character Creation Forge and find out who she's meeting. But before we do that, let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan at Evil Sans Carne. That's Malice minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show at TPTCast. You can also email us at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.TotalPartyThrill.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at TotalPartyThrill. And you can join the conversation on Discord by following the link in the show notes. So this week, Total Party Thrill is brought to you by Elderwood Academy. They are artisans who craft amazing gaming products, including dice towers, dice trays, dice boxes, deck boxes, dice, and more. And all of these products are crafted to look like spell books, scroll cases, codices, and other awesome fantasy gear that we love. So while you're there, you can check out the Codex Dice Tower. These are arcane crafted dice towers that are designed to look and act as a scroll case. So uh, it is it is hardwood. It has these uh, like caps, and then across the middle of it, it's wrapped in leather that has sort of a foil um, embossing on it. And basically the idea here is you twist off the cap, open it up on the bottom, and then drop your dice to roll down through the tower and into your mat. It's fun, makes a great sound, keeps your dice from flying off into random places and getting lost in the pile carpeting or attacked by uh, small children or pets. Mm-hmm. Uh, also helps with cheaters. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and then you can also customize these by choosing the color of the leather, the pattern of the um, 
art that you want on there, the color of the foil, as well as any of the art that you want engraved on the two caps. So yours isn't going to look like someone else's so that if you do bring it over for game night, you'll know exactly which one's yours to grab on the way out. Exactly. All right. So if that sounds interesting, you can check out the Dice Tower and many more products at elderwoodacademy.com slash don't split. So this week in the Character Creation Forge, we are building the Greensinger. Ishan, what is a Greensinger? Well, in Eberron, a Greensinger is uh, one of the druidic factions that is tied to Thalanus, which is the Feywild. It's basically a druid or like a bard or someone who's like very nature-oriented but also has ties to the Fey. Uh, However... It is also a term that could apply to uh, any environmentally focused character who also likes to sing. Yeah, it's a druid with a set of pipes. Um, or, you know, quite literally could just be a green singer from Eberron. Uh, it's also, <laughs> this is a very fae-oriented character regardless. Yeah, it's a druid that turns into songbirds. Right. <laughs> All right, so what is the build? So the build is Circle of Dreams Druid 14, College of Glamour Bard, six. There's a lot of synergy here, but we haven't crammed these two together yet. No, these are the two fey subclasses uh, of Druid and Bard. Yeah, so from Bard six, we'll get third level Bard spells. Our Bardic Inspiration is D8s, and they refresh on a short rest. We got Jack of All Trades, so we're good at everything. Uh, Song of Rest, which is... Uh, it's very uh, on brand to be the person who's sort of like leaning against a tree and strumming a lute while everyone rests and like Mm -hmm. it's just it's more helpful right Uh, you'll also get mantle of inspiration which lets you grant your allies free movement and eight temporary HP as a bonus action uh, as one of your bardic inspiration dice and then if you're able to perform for targets for a minute, then they make a wisdom saving throw or they will be charmed. And even if you fail, there's no risk of them finding out that you tried to do this. Uh, also at level three, we will gain expertise, uh, which of course we will focus on nature and wisdom skills because we are uh, more green than we are singer. And you'll get counter charm. Usually we say, eh, counter charm's not particularly good, but I think if you're dealing with lots of fey, uh, you will often be up against creatures that are trying to charm you or your allies, and this helps you get rid of that effect. Uh, and yep. then, once per long rest, you can cast Command as a bonus action every round for an entire minute. Uh, and then, of course, any creatures that have been charmed by you will automatically fail the saving throw, uh, which is super handy. It's a nice little bit of synergy, along with like uh, some nice synergy with some of your druid spells as well. Mm-hmm. So from 14 levels of Druid, we're going to get 7th level Druid spells, uh, but we will have ninth level slots. So you'll be able to wild shape into beasts up to CR1, uh, and they can have swimming or flying speeds. Then at level 2, you'll get Balm of the Summer Court, which basically will give you, um, at, at 14th level, you'll have a pool of 14 D6s. As a bonus action, you can spend up to 7 of them. Uh, you roll them, and one of your and your target heals that many hit points, as well as gains temporary hit points equal to the number of dice you rolled, uh, which is like you know a healing word on steroids. At level six, uh, you can your party can basically rest inside like a magical bubble that provides total cover, hides the light, and gives you plus five bonuses to both stealth and perception. Makes a lot of sense. You're basically creating your own little like fey circle. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, level 10, you'll gain Hidden Paths, which uh, up to a, a number of times per long rest equal to your Wisdom modifier. As a bonus action, you're able to teleport 60 feet, or as an action, you can teleport another creature up to 30 feet. And then at 14, uh, once per long rest, after finishing a short rest, you'll be able to cast Dream or Scrying or Teleportation Circle back to uh, the last place that you long rested on the current plane. So in terms of leveling order, uh, there's kind of two ways to do this. If you want to be a bard first, you take bard all the way to six and then switch to druid the whole way to 14. Uh, if you'd prefer to be a druid first, then you can take druid five, then take all of your bard levels and then finish out druid 14. So Ishan, uh, who is your green singer? My green singer is a bard first and foremost, but ended up spending a great deal of time in the forest, like wandering the woods after uh, her husband died. So her musical talent uh, was so powerful that it basically took on, you know, magical properties. Uh, But after, you know, she uh, lost her husband, she like became so distraught that she she took to like wandering the wilderness. Um, and, And that magic then like sort of, started to take on like natural forms she found that like certain songs would turn her into animals and other songs would like uh, tame beasts so they would bring her food and things like that Uh, and she eventually decided to like use these abilities to try to find a way to bring her husband back maybe by like searching fey circles or the or the fey wild for um you know an arch fey who could bring him back from the dead or you know venture to a a place where like his soul is kept uh i built an orpheus orpheus is who is who my character Ah, is okay okay? yeah great yeah cool (laughs) hopefully she doesn't come to nearly as bad an end perfect what about your green singer uh mine green singer was a druid uh, who um entered into a manifest zone into thalanus and uh got lost there where he fell in love with a beautiful fae spirit um who unfortunately died um and you know like i think as is typical of some of the lower level fey right they have genuine emotion for some humans and uh when she died um the thing that she loved most about this druid was his voice and so she infused some of her magic into his lute and he began playing that lute with sort of a a a bit of fey magic in it Right, um, and that sort of has strengthened his connection to Thalanus and into Fey magic. Uh, and as he kind of continues down his path of protecting nature, but also exploring his artistic and creative side, um, manipulating crowds as he goes in order to ensure that um, you know nature remains safe and unspoiled. Um, he's kind of growing down both paths, but infused with the power of the Fey that he. Uh, believes was his one true love so he just writes such beautiful music for her uh could it be that maybe this lute is now actually an intelligent item that will grow in power because either her soul is in it or you know it it, it is an item of legacy it could be but it only plays despacito i made justin bieber what up hey <laughs> you're a terrible that's not person. true he hates the environment <laughs> I mean, it would be a little awkward if her soul was in it, right? Because like, now you're wandering around and, you know, you're a traveling bard and it's hard to have hookups when your you know, dead lover is like 
right there inside your guitar. I mean, it'd be especially weird if you were like the Who and you smash your guitar on stage every night. Right. <laughs> Mending. I just mended every night. Exactly. So sorry. I'm so sorry. No respect. <laughs> just, it's all about the craft. <laughs> All right, before we wrap up, we want to take a moment and thank our Patreon supporters. Yeah, your support is what makes it possible for us to keep doing this show every single week. So if you'd like to learn more, you can check out our rewards at patreon.com slash totalpartythrill. And you can also leave us a five-star review on iTunes. If you do that, we will read your review on the air. Ishan, what review do you have today? This one is Truly Excellent Podcast by Mattis Thinker. Love this show. The topics are always fresh and full of valuable tips, game hooks, and info that have really helped me as I prepare my game sessions. Keep up the great work, guys. So if you do leave us a review, uh, go ahead and shoot us a message so we uh, know that you sent it, but also it really helps other people find us. And what do we have planned for next week's episode? We are continuing our series on the nine alignments, and we're talking about playing neutral good. And in the Character Creation Forge, we're building the Rescue Ranger. Well, that's it for episode 207 of Total Party Thrill. I hope we lived up to our name, but either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening. Total Party Thrill is brought to you this week by Kobold Press. Warlock is a Patreon-supported project from Kobold Press, publisher of the Midgard campaign setting for 5th edition D&D. With your support, the Cobalts can make new 5th edition Midgard material on a regular, ongoing basis. Yeah, it means that you are a patron on Patreon. You get it? Warlock? Patron? Warlock? Yep. Patreon? Mm-hmm. And what wait, do you wait, get? Wait, I don't know. Do you fully understand? Oh, no, no, no. I get it. I mean, I just, like, I didn't like, get it, you know? But I get it uh, now. I get it. Okay. Because in 5th edition, Warlocks oh, Warlock patron. have oh, patrons. Okay. I got it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they also had patrons back in 3rd edition. Yeah, but... Well, nobody talks about third edition anymore. No, no, no. Right. Fourth edition is just a no go. So let's say I become a warlock patron in uh-huh. in exchange for sharing some of my financial purchasing power uh-huh. with Cobalt Press. Mm-hmm. What do I get in return? Like, what adventuring are they doing on my behalf? I mean, I'm hoping you're getting souls, right? <laughs> okay. Well, yes. I mean, obviously, but duh. That's okay. because capitalism will just suck them out as a as a side effect. <laughs> But you'll also get first access to new maps, new monsters, new 5e character options, adventures inside awesome dungeons, and a whole lot more, including the aforementioned souls. I mean, assuming that you are a fiendish patron, but I mean, I know you. You are, of course, a fiendish patron. You Well, yeah, but you're a great old one, so don't act like you're not claiming souls either. Alright, so let's say I want to help expand the world of 5th edition dark fantasy and become a warlock patron for Cobalt Press. How do I do that? Just head on over using your magical looking glass, or I guess a web browser. Yeah, your cell phone. Patreon.com slash Cobalt Press.